0: This is the Disciple Makers podcast by Discipleship.org. You're listening to Season 7, and every week this season we'll bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together other like-minded organizations who are all focused on making disciples. Our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. You're about to hear from two speakers, one of whom is Shadonke Johnson, who has been heavily involved in his country's prayer and fasting movement. Discipleship.org has released a resource in partnership with him publications about prayer and fasting called Revival Starts Here, and it's written by Dave Clayton. It's designed to help you and your entire church learn how to fast and pray for the lost together. You can download the free visual primer to this book at discipleship.org ebooks. It's a fun visual sort of introduction to the book. So look for the Revival Starts Here Primer at discipleship.org ebooks. And this short primer, which is a lot of fun to look through, we tried to kind of spice it up with some graphic design, will show you how this book has been used to unify literally hundreds of churches in Nashville to pray and fast for the lost together. So go to discipleship.org ebooks and download this free primer so that you can take the next step for you or for your church with regard to prayer and fasting. Today, we're featuring an episode from the track at the National Disciple Making Forum called The Holy Spirit and Discipleship. The episode for today is called Creating a Culture of Discipleship, featuring Shadonke Johnson and Alex Absalom.
1: Well, welcome. Uh, my name Alex Absalom, and Shadonke Johnson is here with me. And so, uh, we're going to bring some parts to this, and hopefully, you can find it really useful. So, I'm going to pray to begin with to kick us off. So, let's pray right, together Lord Jesus thank you that when we take your yoke upon us it's light and it's well fitting, it's not crushing it's not legalism it's not stress inducing and uh, we thank you that that's how you disciple us, you come alongside and you walk with us and you Shape us and mold us to walk with you, and it becomes a thing which um, it might be challenging, it might be tough, it might be sacrificial, but also it's a place of great joy and a place of where we know we are walking with you. And so, uh, we pray over this uh, time now that you would uh, guide Shidonke and myself, that we would bring words of grace and words of life and um, encouragement. And, But also, Lord, more importantly, we pray that you'd be discipling each one of us personally, that we'd be attentive to your spirit, to specific words that you're saying to us. Um, I ask, Lord, that each one of us would leave this session with um, one or two very specific things that we can take away and implement straight away back home. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, please we do that. We're going to absorb all sorts of things. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a fun time an interesting, stimulating time but we, we don't want to just hear and not, not obey mm. so we ask mm. that you would speak to us um, and show us what it is you particularly want us to take from this time now Amen. and so we're excited by that and we thank you that you love to disciple us Amen. in Jesus, in your name we pray Amen Amen, Amen. <laughs> uh, <coughs> So, uh, I'm in, originally from England and we have, our wife Hannah and I have three sons who are now young adults, uh, all, all of them are really passionate for the Lord, which is just the most won- wondrous thing. Um, uh, and I, I was thinking back to when our eldest son was due to start school, we lived in England, and um, you get a bit of choice about which school to send them to, and... Uh, there was one particular school that was walking distance from our home, and so we asked around some of the other families we knew at church, and they all said, uh, without any deviation, "Don't send your child there. There's no Christians at that school. It's going to be a really tough place for them to be there." And we hear that, and we're missionaries. And we think, "Well, there's going to be Christians when we get there." So,
0: <laughs> so we took, it, we went for a tour and. Um, it, was for, it, was, it was actually a great little school, very eccentric, which is a high value for us as English people.
1: And um, we really felt like the Lord said that was the place to send Joel. And so um, we start to go there and uh, it becomes his school. And in England, uh, you have what they call the playground. And so you'd find a lot of parents would go and drop the kids off in the morning and pick them up at three o'clock when, when school finished. And it was, it was very social. And because it was a neighbourhood school, we already knew a bunch of people, and, you, and people introduced you to people. It became this rapid place of networking and connection. And at the same time, the school principal, uh, I got to know her, and she uh, was a person of peace for me. Uh, and so um, she very quickly invited me onto the school board, and I, actually, I eventually ended up chairing that, um, and became really like... A, a real advisor in things like staff appointments and the culture in school and so on there but what we found was that school through the networking through the relationships there became a place where we got to um became a place of mission for us a place where we got to disciple many families close to to jesus um out of the relationships that happened there and the favor with the school we started a kids club. Uh, through our church and the school would advertise it and they'd let us do sign-ups in the school yard which is you know pretty unusual for a school to do and um, we just got to know lots of families with times we got to come alongside people and pray with them we got to encourage them we got to love people just have fun and laughter and be engaged and and what we saw over a period of um, five years that we had children at that school was that whole culture turned around and it became an environment where. Uh, there were more and more uh, committed followers of Christ, and a huge tranche of people who became more and more spiritually open like on the journey towards Jesus. And it genuinely became a disciple-making environment and disciple making culture. And as I look back on that, um, I want to encourage you that as we talk about building discipleship, disciple making environments, I think our danger is we're just going to think about church structures. And obviously that is a very important thing to do. We want to see our churches become disciple-making environments. But mm-hmm. this is not just for ourselves. This right. is to send us outwards. Amen. So we are commissioned to be <coughs> disciple-makers in our workplaces mm-hmm. and in the kids' school and with the soccer team and in all the other environments that Jesus sends you on a consistent, ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. So the filter I want you to have as we're talking with you today Think about, yes, think about this with the Christians, you know. Think about this in your church, but also think about what does it look like for you to be sent to make a disciple-making environment out in the world? How can you equip people you know in your church community to go and make disciples in other places that are distinct from your church, either geographically or sociologically? So we want to kind of have that bigger perspective, all right? Good with that? Mm Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes and then Shnokhi is going to share with us. Uh, and I want to share with you a, a couple of values that I see in effective disciple making cultures. And the reason uh, I want to talk about values is because these then become like a skeleton key, which you can then take and apply to your specific situation. And so you'll find hopefully, that of these values will be ones that, um, particularly this first one I'm going to share with you, Will really be helpful for you in in lots of scenarios. So, diving in, I would suggest to you, I want to propose that the most important value you can have if you want to create a disciple making culture is to be highly empowering and highly accountable.
0: It
1: needs to be a culture that's highly empowering, highly accountable. Let me define those words and I'm going to draw you a little graphic. So, by empowering, what I mean is people are freed up to pursue their dreams and their visions <clears throat> and their passions. In other words, the callings that they have from God, and I think God's callings over us are often tied to our identity, our divine identities, the things that God has dreamt up about, who we should be. So an empowering culture allows people to pioneer to innovate mm-hmm. and to they feel trusted. They get to step into the things, like for us in that case it was we were called to step into that school and make a difference there. But people feel like they're free to, to go after things, um, to execute the plan without being micromanaged by, by someone at church. And, of course, the opposite of empowerment is controlling. And controlling is you know, where, where you do get that kind of people are boxed in, where there's lots of rules, lots of regulations, where someone else has the final say in, you know, in a kind of not a good way. So we want to be highly empowering. And then the other word is accountable. We want to be highly accountable. And for me, accountability is a positive word. Now, we tend to think of it often as a negative thing. So, you know, without getting party political, we hear it with, say, Congress. You know, it's like Congress is called so-and-so to be accountable for this thing. And it feels like a negative thing. Uh, but the way I understand uh, accountability, in, as Krishna should understand it, is it's not so much about consequences as about ownership. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, who in turn make disciples, we need to live lives which are openly accountable. In other words, it's less a, I have to do this, it's more I choose to do this. You own your behavior and your actions. You um, seek to be invested in and to invite pe- people, not the whole world, but certain people to speak into you so that you can mature and you can flourish and you can be more effective as a disciple maker of Jesus. Uh, and of course, accountability happens in both good times and bad times, successes and failures as we reflect upon what's gone on, what are the lessons we're taking, how do we move forward and grow. So that's, that's what accountability uh, looks like there. So here's a little graphic. Uh, I'll do it on the black one. So I'm going to draw two lines here with arrows on them. So uh, this vertical line is about, I'm going to label empowering, which we just talked about. And the opposite would be controlling. Uh, And the horizontal line is accountability, which we mean in this good sense. The opposite of accountability is probably being flaky. Or something like that okay and what you get here is four quadrants so this top left quadrant highly empowering highly accountable that's where you make disciples where you if you wanted to use a more general word you could say it's an apprenticeship quadrant okay i mean probably all we know situations where you've been apprenticed um and, and you help helping to help people grow in that area uh, just Quick question. Anyone here ever taught a child or someone else's child how to drive a car? Anyone don't to raise a hand? <laughs> Wasn't it fun?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> OK, what you don't do is just log the driver's manual at the child, at your kid, and say, here, read this, son, you'll be great, you're good to go. <coughs> so you have this thing where they are empowered because they have to get behind the wheel at some point, but they are going to be very accountable about how they're going to operate. When and where and how fast and... All the rest of it, yeah? Yes. So that might be a good example of how that works. Um, unfortunately, we don't all live in these environments. Uh, you have a quadrant here, down below, which is highly accountable, but low on empowering. Can be very controlling. So a good example of that would be boot camp. So some of you have been in the military, others of you, maybe you've been part of a gym, or something like that, where you have a boot camp experience. Uh, in the boot camp... What we don't do is have a vote on what exercise we're going to do next. <laughs> mm. We don't all have a little conversation and a nice drink together about you know, how long we're going to do this activity. It's like you're highly accountable for how you behave, but you don't get a vote. You don't get much for saying it. Okay? The opposite quadrant here, which is very empowering, but low on accountability. It's very flighty, flaky. And the best way I could describe this is a college dorm <laughs> yeah. so a college dorm is an environment where you've got lots of freedom mum and dad aren't here no one's to give <coughs> me i can stay up all night i can spend my money i can eat pizza every meal for the next five months and all the rest of it so that's the college dorm environment
0: okay?
1: mm-hmm. um, and then finally you have this quadrant of death down here which is which is little to no empowerment it's very controlling there seems to be no accountability and the best way i can describe that for you is three letters and those three letters are d m v where you go to get your driver's license renewed, and it's like the forces of chaos take over. You are sucked into a space-time discontinuum, never to emerge again, so it feels. You think, how can they be so incompetent? So that's what that feels like, okay? So let me ask you a quick question. Um, as you look at these four quadrants, what I want you to do is bring to mind how it feels emotionally to be in these for different types of environment. So what does it feel like to be in a discipleship or an apprenticing, let's use the word apprenticing environment. What does it feel like to be in a, in a space where you're being apprenticed?
0: Purposeful. Okay.
1: So purposeful. I won't mind that because, well, I have to do it quick. So purposeful. That's a bad pen, um, Yeah, what other words? Bless. OK. Perhaps we'll bless. Someone said free. Safe. 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 Secure. Secure. Loved. Loved. All right. You get the idea there. What does it feel like to be in a boot camp?
0: Mm -hmm. Controlled.
1: All right. Controlled. Painful. Scared. Restricted. Mm. Restricted. So controlled. Scared. Restricted. Restricted. Structured. Structured. Because there's some good words in there as well. Structured.
0: Trained.
1: Trained. Forced.
0: forced.
1: <laughs> okay. What about college dorm? What does it feel like to be in a college dorm? <laughs> okay, so fun.
0: <laughs> Free <laughs>
1: fun party. So what was that?
0: Pandemonium.
1: Pandemonium. 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 Yes. It, it,
0: Yeah, I'm going to write chaos.
1: Chaos. Chaos.
2: It it can also feel lonely. Yeah,
1: it can feel lonely. Lonely. Dirty. Dirty.
0: It is dirty. dirty. Because it's one of
1: those places where at first it's like the sugar rush. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't want to spend the rest of your life there. (laughs) Yeah? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because the downsides start to appear Mm -hmm. as well. And then what does it feel like to be stuck in the DMV?
0: Hopeless.
1: Uh. Hopeless. <laughs> um,
0: helpless.
1: Hopeless, helpless. Angry. All right, angry. Mm. <laughs> Miserable. Miserable.
0: Sleepwalking. Eat, eat. Sleepwalking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, defeated. Defeated.
1: Fearful. All right, defeated, fearful, things like that. Doomed. All right, let's apply this now <laughs> to um, your disciple-making culture that you are part of. All right? What I want you to do is look at this picture here and imagine it's a map. And what I want you to do is, if if you've done this on, if you've been writing notes, do it on there, or just in your mind, think. And just think, if you're going to draw, if you're going to put a mark on that map, where is your church or your ministry right now? Where's the X on the map? (coughs) Does that make sense? What you might Mm. even want to do is put an X with an arrow because um, you're in movement. So I've just randomly... You might put an X here with an arrow to show that, in this case, you're in college dorm, but you, you're feeling like you're heading um, a bit more accountable. So just, I won't get you to process that out loud, but just think, where would you place yourself right now, your kind of, your church, your area of responsibility? And by the way, this would be a great processing tool with a leadership team yes. to do, to think about together. And then the other question I'd ask would be, where are you by nature on that map? Uh, because probably, hopefully not in a DMV, but probably by nature, and, and the way you tell your nature is where do you revert to under stress, all right, when it's difficult. Probably some of you tend to go to college dorm because it's like, you, like to, you want to be popular, you're a bit more free and easy. Very empowering, but you're not so good at helping it, be accountable. Mm -hmm. Others of you, under stress, you go sergeant major, boot camp, (laughs) you're giving out the instructions, you're low on fun, but you kind of, it goes Mm task-driven. And probably, well, almost certainly, you're going to be one of those two by nature. So being aware of what your tendency is actually was going to help you with your disciple-making. Amen. All right, because you're going to be aware both of what your culture is as a church, it might not be the same as your personal culture, and also what you tend to do as a disciple maker. Mm -hmm. And and therefore, out of that, you can then start to strategize well, what do I need to do to grow, or what does our church need to improve on? So, for instance, to use the the icon I put here, if you go, our church is where I put this X, it's our culture in disciple making is quite college dormy. So we're pretty empowering, but we're not great at accountability. The disciplines you have to then take on are, well, what's our structure going to be to help people be accountable and to grow? How do we make sure that people aren't just loosey-goosey, but there's no kind mm-hmm. of, in a good sense, the word, disciplines? <coughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, how do we make sure people aren't just given, given, given power, given authority, and then just left to themselves? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're the other way around you'd have to work on well, how do we trust people more, how do we get people to innovate, how do we get people to try things out without being shot the first time they make a mistake or they fail, okay, which some, a lot of churches are very glad at doing that. Mm-hmm. So what we've seen again and again in lots of different environments is that um, the key direction you want to be moving in is we want to be highly empowering and we want to be highly accountable in how we operate in the disciple-making culture okay you good on that yeah. yes all right I'll give you a second one let me can I raise this yeah. yep. great and then donkey is gonna share a bunch of stuff as well all right second image I'm going to give you um, if you want to create a disciple making culture uh, the thing that I want to encourage you to do Is this, it's around, you need to become a centered set church or community. So this comes from um, some sociology of different sets, how how groups connect together. And there's three different um, categories that we have here. So the first thing you have is what they call a bounded set. And in a bounded set, Uh, The way it works is you have, I just draw a big circle, and um, this is the boundary, and it's a binary system. Either you are in, or you are out. So a good example would be a country club. It's no good me, packing the kids into the car, we get our swimming gear, it's a hot summer's day, rolling up the gate of the country club and saying, can we come and swim? And they're going to go, are you a member, sir? And I say, no, but I'm a really nice person. <laughs> they're not going to let me in. All right. That's a bounded set environment. And so what happens is people come along and they try and get in. Can I come and use your place? No, you get bounced off. Uh, others float around on the outside just jealous. But eventually someone will manage to get in. And they become a member of this thing. But then once you're on the inside, there's no real direction. You just float around. In that space. Uh, many churches, I would suggest most churches, operate a bounded set mentality. Most churches, the reason they fail at disciple making is for them the world is about it, who is in and who is out. Mm-hmm. And they invest most of their energy on policing the boundary. Mm-hmm. So let's think about what those boundaries look like.
0: Hmm
1: who can suggest to me what a typical boundary would be in a bounded set church?
0: You have to uh, uh, set of doctrinal beliefs. Okay, so
1: doctrinal beliefs might be one. So not <coughs> to say like bad things intrinsically, but it might be, do you believe what we believe? What might be another thing? A vocabulary. Okay, if we one at top of yes. a time, yes. Budget, it's the church budget. Budget, yeah, okay, yeah. Money is a big driver of church decisions.
0: Vocabulary, <laughs> Christianese.
1: Christianese, <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyone, anyone heard of church membership? (laughs) Okay, and of course, the problem with membership is that membership has its
0: privileges. Privileges.
1: (laughs) And the way we often run church membership, this is like frequent flyer miles. Mm -hmm. The longer I've been here, the more money I've contributed, the better the seats I should get on this plane. Mm -hmm. I should be getting more upgrades because don't you know, I've been a member here for 26 years. You should listen to my voice louder than these pesky new people, these families with their badly behaved children. Listen to me. I should be in business class by now. Don't you know how much money I've tied to this church? Mm -hmm. Some of you are getting flashbacks, aren't you? I can tell yeah. you. <laughs> And that's because we've set up the system like this. Whereas instead, what membership should be about in the church, if you can going to use that language, um, is... It's not in the Bible, by the way, but anyway, right. that's a different right. conversation. <laughs> um, but I would suggest the longer you are in a church, the fewer privileges you have. Mm-hmm. The more you are expected to Amen. serve. The less status you get in the sense that the world understands status. That's what it means to walk with Christ. Mm. So here's an alternative that comes. Some people then say the alternative is what they call fuzzy set. In a fuzzy set, uh, what you do is you kind of go all hippie, and you say, we're not going to be bad set, we're just going to hang out and be New Testament, and oh, kumbaya, it's awesome, everyone's Mm -hmm. getting on, it's just all, we just love each other. We just love each other, brother. We're a New Testament church, is, which is great for a while. But then eventually, two people are going to clash together, and there's going to be this almighty explosion. And when yeah. the explosion happens, everyone scatters. And the problem with the fuzzy set model is it doesn't work over a sustained period of time. We're not designed to operate with no structure. We're not amoeba. All right? So it doesn't work. So this leads us to the third option, which I want to propose as the way to go. And the third option is centered set. So a centered set is one which has something, (coughs) set of values, or in our case a person, at the center. And of course we orientate around, I'm going to put the cross there, so we orientate around Jesus Christ. And the way it works here is that all of us are on a journey towards Jesus. So we're doing this, getting close to it. None of us fully make it this side of heaven, all right? So we're all, we're all learning all through our lives. What you find happens, of course, though, is it's not quite as simple as we're walking towards Jesus. Some people get to a certain distance then they get into orbit around Jesus, mm-hmm. which is like, I've got enough Jesus in my life, thanks very much, I'm good. I've got my free fire insurance, I'm not going to hell but I'm kind of happy with the level I'm at now. And you see a lot of people like that. Then the other thing that happens is um, uh, people are walking towards Christ and, um, and then of course you make the classic tactical error where you preach a message one Sunday about money and about giving. And so what this person who is, who is here walking towards Jesus and they go like that. And they go, my money's my own, you're always asking for money stop talking about that and they start to kind of get real angry and walk away in some sense Uh, now the interesting thing about this model is you've also got a scope to think about say your next door neighbor who's far from jesus Mm -hmm. and he drinks too much and he he's got the vocabulary of a sailor and um, you know all the rest of it but then he's staying out here miles away from jesus but he's really stressed out about his kids and one day you're having a chat over, you know, together one evening perhaps, and you go to sit by his fire pit and you're hanging out, and you, you get this moment, you get this bit of Holy Spirit nudge, and you start saying, No, mate, I totally get why your teenagers are stressing you out. And This might sound crazy to you, but the thing that helped me was, once I read this Bible verse and it said, um, fathers do not exasperate your children. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to live that out, it transformed how I parented and you share this story, and you see the light of hope glint in their eyes. And what you find is they start to try and do the same thing. They say, well, let's work together on that. And over the next few weeks, as you meet together, and you you catch up, and you're talking about your parenting, and he's trying to put that into practice. Maybe falsely, but he starts to do that in his life. And what happens is, your neighbor has just done this. He's done a U-turn, and he's starting to orientate himself towards Jesus in this one area of his life, which is his parenting. Now, he still drinks too much, he still cusses too much, he still, you wouldn't, you know, leave your cat with him to babysit, or anything like that, but he's starting to walk towards Jesus. He's on the journey, albeit a long way out, the journey of discipleship. Now, here's the question I have for you. At this point in time, who is being the better disciple? Your long-standing church member, who got angry that you talked about tithing, or your next-door neighbour Who's here?
0: Mm.
1: Who's the better disciple? The
0: neighbor.
1: You don't need to answer that right now. Because <laughs> actually, the answer, I, I want you to reflect upon that. Mm. about what, Because what it starts to throw up is mm. your understanding of what it means to be a disciple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does discipleship look like? How do we create a disciple-making culture? Because now your next-door neighbor is being drawn into the disciple-making. He's being discipled towards Christ. Mm-hmm. That? He's clearly a way off confess the Christ as Saviour mm-hmm. and Lord, but if that was the only measure, then we'd be in to set land perhaps. Mm-hmm. Because this guy up here, the, the money guy, he's definitely confessed Christ as Saviour mm-hmm. and Lord, but Jesus is not Lord of everything in his life.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I and
1: I think what we've done as the church, well what we need to do as the church, is we need to orientate more towards a centered set mindset, because mm-hmm. if we're truly gonna go and make disciples in a world that's far from Christ, mm-hmm. a post-Christensen culture, we know, don't forget, our culture is less and less Christendom. The Christian narrative is not the dominant story. Someone heard describes this, we no longer have home field advantage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as we go into the world, we are going out as missionaries to make disciples for Jesus Christ. If we go with a bounded set mindset, we're not going to get very far. All right, It's just not going to work in this culture. Uh, We need to go with a centre-set view, which is saying, we're inviting people to say, hey, come walk with me as I learn from Jesus. I'm not the perfect dad or the perfect guy with money or the perfect employer, whatever the deal is. But I'm learning from Jesus. Let's learn together. Imitate me as I imitate Christ someone should write that down, it should be in the Bible <laughs> alright that's what we're called to do now, just to nuance this and then I'm going to stop this shidoki coming you know, I still believe in church leadership you know, you might have a dotted circle here which says, here's the parameters for leadership in the church, because 1st Timothy talks about that Titus, but I would draw it as a dotted not a permanent thing because I think you're only a leader as long as you lead. You're only an elder as long as you elder. It's a functional thing. It's not a, it's not a status thing. Um, but the mindset is what I'm trying to get across to you. The most effective people we've seen at Making Disciples have that centered set, invitational mindset. I, I would want to propose that's what Paul has had. Um, it's that like we're inviting people to join us together as we orientate, as we walk towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. and all that he's about. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. stop there. Doc is going to come and share
2: some insights with us. Thank you. Um, just to pick up from where Alex um, stopped, I want us to know that cons- the tradition can be stronger than the Constitution. Mm. The culture, sorry, can be stronger than the Constitution. Culture is very important. And um, this might be very tough, but um the times, because we all, all taking this journey together. Uh, my candid opinion is that as I look at what is happening to the church today, especially in the, in the West, I'm a theologian. I also studied. But I'm telling you, as I examine most of the seminaries and the theological schools, they really added to the problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They really added to the problem. Some of the results we have today is because of the things that they taught in the schools. Mm-hmm. As I have examined most of the, the curriculums and spoken, I've spoken a lot of seminaries and universities, and you see that most of these guys that went through the universities were told, I mean, as far as the power of the Holy Spirit is concerned, it, it stopped long ago with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been trained with that mindset. So they come out and they run churches. That's what they pass on. The power of God is watered down. And so when they come out, that's what they give out. So we clearly see that a culture has been built. And that culture is now affecting the church culture.
0: Yeah.
2: And I believe strongly. I mean, there's a place for seminaries. There's still a place for theological schools. But I have challenged people, professors, that we need to look at the curriculum again. Some things need to change. And we have to see a growth, a spiritual growth. And we'll have to take back what has been stolen from us by the enemy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very important. You know, it's really, really important. There are things that need to take the center page, the word. I've seen people go to, they graduate with master's first degree. They never open the Bible. Mm. Never open the Bible. And then they graduate with master's in theology, master's in missiology. And they come out to, to be pastors or leaders. You can't give what you don't have.
0: That's
2: Mm -hmm. right. So I want us, it's it's tough, but that is the truth. We have to look at that keenly. There's still a place for all of those things. But I honestly believe we need to re examine some of the things that we pass on. It's very important. Um, As we look at the issue of um, culture, it's very important that. What we are trying to do is not just a different system, it's just, it's just a different definition of success. It's a different definition of success. It's not a new system, we we'll define it differently. For example, in our movement, we don't define success by the size of the church you have. We don't define success, you know, by the, we don't even have by your education. All of those are good but our definition of success is that we say, we only say we are successful when disciples are making disciples, leaders are raising leaders, churches are planting churches, small groups are multiplying small groups, intercessors raising intercessors. When we do this on a daily basis and it become part and parcel of our lifestyle, then we say we are successful. So in other words, when we move from that place of doing something daily, then we can say we are successful. It's not just the one time, because I did it one time.
0: Yeah.
2: No. So that is how we define success, and that is what, that's what has been built into our culture. And so it is very important. It's, it's, it is a, a, just a different definition of success and a strategy to get there. Two primary things that we try to do, that is very important. If we are leaders, we create, we spread, and we guide culture. For every disciple maker, what you are trying to do, it is very important that you are trying to create, you are trying to spread, and you are trying to guide the culture. If you're a disciple maker, if we are going to have this, As a movement, that's what we do. We create. Mm -hmm. But we also spread. But we also guide the culture. That it continues. That's why Jesus, you know, is very interesting. Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. When he told Peter, he wanted to wash the feet of Peter, Peter said no. You know, we know why Peter said no. You look at the background, Peter knew exactly. He was playing the role, Jesus was trying to play the role of the least slave. (laughs) Because based on that culture, it was really the role of the least slave to wash feet. And Peter said, no. But Jesus said, if you, I can't wash your feet, you are not part of me. You are not part of this culture. Peter was very wise. He said, not only my feet, but wash my whole
0: body.
2: (laughs) Because he was saying, I am in. I want to be part of this. It's very important to me. It's very important to me. I also want us to know that if we are going to, as we build the culture, part of the culture is to multiply leaders. You touch today and you expand later. Multiply leaders. As a culture, you touch today and you expand later. That means you engage somebody, touch that person with Christ. Don't worry about expansion expansion will come later, if you really invest in this life. One person Mm -hmm. that you invest in, if it's the right investment, I'm telling you, can create a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So it is very important. And as we try to create culture, two things that we have to take note of. First, I want us to look at the (coughs) reference in Deuteronomy Chapter 6. When you go back home, read it. Deuteronomy Chapter 6. Great culture. Deuteronomy 6. Write it down. And I will just read some portion. He says, now this is the commandment. which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you will do them in the land where you are going so that you and your son and your grandson might keep all his commandment all the days of your life.
0: Amen.
2: You should listen and be careful to do it that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I, com- I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your on your hand, and they shall be as a frontiers on your forehead. Ye shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swear to your fathers, then watch yourself that you do not forget. In other words, he said guide against Mm drifts. Guide against drifts. And we relate to that.
0: Yeah.
2: He was warning them. When you come into the land and all of this, God, watch yourself. Or you will be drift. Because when you begin to see other cultures rise up and you don't take time, you will drift. <coughs> and I think we know where we are today. The Lord who brought you out of the house of slavery, you shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him. You shall not follow any other gods of the people who surround you. This is what we call the Shema statement. This Shema statement is all about culture. God was trying to create a culture for the people as they entered into the promised land. And He told them to be careful because there will be other cultures there. Mm-hmm. And they had to guard themselves against those cultures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it's the same for us that are believers in Christ Jesus. We should create a discipleship-making culture. There are other cultures around us, but this is a culture that we are supposed to create. And if people understand that culture, what they do is that we we'll try to help the others, as he was saying, come and follow Jesus. We we'll bring the discipleship culture to them so that they will come and understand Jesus. It is important also for us to know that culture affects everything, and it is the only platform for permanent change. Culture affects everything, and it is the only platform for permanent change. Culture affects everything. Most of the things people do is because of culture. That's why they do it. And so if we create a disciple-making culture, then that's going to affect the lives of the people. You know, as we try to create culture, we move from duty, from duty, it becomes a habit, a lifestyle, and then a culture. So it starts from duty. And then it moves into a habit. Then from a habit, it becomes a lifestyle. And then it becomes a Culture.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. So it starts gradually. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It starts gradually. And in every culture that we are trying to build, it is important for us to create the culture of the kingdom. It takes architects and builders. If I'm going to create a culture, it takes an architect, the architects, and then it takes the builders. That those who are the architects and that those who are the builders. It is important for us to know. Those two people are very important. set of people are very important as we build cultures. The architects are the thinkers. They see the final product. They devise the strategy. If you can't see it, you can't build it. If you can't see it, you can't build it. They are the thinkers. The architects are the thinkers. It is very important They think about it every day. And once they are thinking about it, that is going to help us. <clears throat> they see the find a product and devise a strategy. Paul was, a, was part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the things you see that affected, you know, he was an architect. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the master architect. He laid mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. out for us. He played both roles. He also built. But it's important that in the church, as he was talking about leadership, you know, the leaders can be the architect. You know, they see it. My job in the movement is that I see it mm-hmm. and I'm trying to design it so that others will run it and I leave it. I plan churches, I see take communities, I see I'm involved in discipling people. That's what all my business schedule, I, I still disciple. And, you know, I'm involved in the process, I see it. We lay strategies of towns and villages, tribes that have still not been rich with the gospel. We plan all of that. Mobilize intercessors, coach them, train them, send them out. Because I see it. We need that if we are going to create a culture. If this thing is going to change, we need the architects. But we also need the builders. We also need the builders. The builders are the people who are the catalysts. They implement the strategy. They lay the foundation. We need the builders. They are the catalysts. They are the coordinators. You know, they, they do the work. Once you have seen the blueprints, it's like, you know, you have the architecture, you give it to the builders. The builders come to the place. Man, they get this thing up and people see it. So I tell people, we have the builders. Now, when the thing is up, everybody's seen it. They don't see the architect, mm. but they see the building. And mm. they see the builders. Is that not so? Yes. Only few people ask, who is the architect for this building? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it must be one of the builders. <laughs> you know, but what is important is that we are all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. We are creating a culture where everybody is important. And we're doing something that glorifies God. That is what is important. That's the kind of culture we create. Honestly, in my culture, a lot of people come and they're asking for. Them. They have had my name. Some of them have never seen me. So I enjoy the phone. I have other leaders who are really big, well built than me. So you actually in African context, if you are well-built, most times they say he's a leader. It's very easy. They will not even ask. If we have people here and they see somebody that's well built, you know, they come, they'll go straight to that person. Because in their mind they're thinking that I was a leader has to be so big. And so because I'm small, I was even smaller than this. We go to many places and the people will come and they'll go straight to my big disciples and they begin to talk to them. You know, I'm there, I get the phone. And then I have seen people come and say, they'll go straight to them. Some people ask me, please, I, I want to talk to Mr. Johnson. And I said, really, you want to talk? Yes. I said, yes. Do you have a message for him? Me? He said, yes, I have a message. I said, mm, I don't think it's around. Can I? I want to take the message. <laughs> and they will give me all the message. And then they would tell me, please make sure you tell him when he comes back. Mm. I said, okay, I will tell him. (laughs) (laughs) Now because we are building a culture, a discipleship making culture, we we should be completely invisible.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. And let God be visible. Mm. Because it's not about us. It's about him. Completely. So a lot of people, it has happened over and over again. That's Is a kind of culture. That's the culture that Jesus built. You hardly know who was really Jesus among the disciples. Because even when Judas came to betray him, he had to kiss him so that the people would know. So we build in disciples, if we want to build a culture, it has to be a culture where it's not about, I mean, we, we believe in structures, we have leaders, but we tell the leaders our job is to serve and be completely invisible. We say high impact, low no visibility. High impact, low no visibility. We do the work, we reach out, but we're invisible.
0: Mm.
2: One day, you know, there are times I just <coughs> use the Okada, like the motorbike, it's taxi where we stay, you know, they use it as taxi. So one day I was using a, a motorbike, and I told, normally I take them for one hour or two hours, so that I create relationship. By that, I create relationship. After two hours, I create relationship and we become friends. And that becomes the platform to start discipleship. So this guy, I took him on a mot- he took me on a motorbike, and I said, I'm going to Mount Pleasant. The area where I stay is called Mount Pleasant. I said, I'm going to Mount Pleasant. I gave it that name. You know, I just gave it Mount Pleasant. They said, OK, it's Mount Pleasant. Nobody argued
0: with
2: me. <laughs> and so I said, I'm going to Mount Pleasant. The moment I said Mount Pleasant, the guy said, are you going to Pastor Johnson? I said, yes, I'm going to Pastor Johnson. And I asked him, do you know him? He said, I know him very well. <laughs> and i said to him okay take me to pastor johnson and he started to ride me and this guy is not talking about me to myself i'm on the bike motorbike with him i'm enjoying the phone we got to the house he dropped me and i paid him and i said i really want to have a relationship with this man and he said, okay, take my number. I will make sure you have a relationship with him. So I took my pain to take his phone number so that he can connect me with me. <laughs> you know, when later he came to realize that I'm Pastor Johnson, that, became, that brought our friendship. Yeah. He laughed, he laughed. <laughs> he said to me, you know, I'm hard about his name. I was always thinking that this other guy is Pastor Johnson, I never knew <laughs> you. But that that brought the relationship and I started the discipleship process. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So when we what is important when we try to create a culture, we have to do it the way Jesus did. He's the blueprint. He, I mean, he's the architect, he's a master builder. We have to do it the way we did. And what did Jesus do to create that culture? One of the things he did was that he lived it out. He didn't only talk about it, he lived it. He lived it out for everyone to see. If we are going to build a culture, it starts with us. It starts with us as leaders. It is very important. It starts with us. When we have our big gathering, no matter we have this gathering, there are times I go and serve as a janitor the hands of people so a lot of people come in they don't know me shake their hands you know chat with them there are times i join those in the traffic and we are moving traffic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and i'm doing it intentionally because i want to create a culture of only christ that will be exalted
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and no man Mm -hmm. There are times I sit at the back seat. I enter into some of the churches we planted when they have their gathering, and we just go and sit at the back seat. We worship, and I go back out. Later on, when I tell the pastors, I was in that gathering. They said, but well, we did not see you. It is not so important. Mm-hmm. The thing we have told them is that as long as the Holy Spirit is there, His Word is there, Christ is there, mm-hmm. I am not important.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I am not important to try to be invisible. But also, if we are going to create a culture, we are going to create a culture, if we are going to use the style of Jesus, then we are going to stand on the teaching of Jesus, Mm. what he taught. What are the things he taught? He said the greatest is love. We will not make a discipleship culture to be sustainable and that we replicate if we don't build around the teachings of Jesus. Mm Let's put aside our theologies and our philosophies that we know. Let our doctrines take the back bumper. Let his teaching, his word, be the main thing. The word of Jesus. Let it be the main thing. You know, it's interesting. We, we, in our movement, we discipline people. <clears throat> Those that are visited, they see and they laugh. We discipline people. But even when you do something wrong, of course, we talk to you first, over and again. If you don't work, we call you, and we all sit down, and we have passages, depending on what you've done, and we'll tell you, read the passage, you read it, and we'll ask you, we'll do DBS. Summarize that passage. Mm -hmm. What do you understand from that passage? How can you obey that passage? Mm -hmm. If you were in my position as leader, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And some of them will say, I think... I discipline the process and i said is it wrong if you're disciplined they said no the scripture said it is a word mm-hmm. and we don't discipline people to become enemies we love them
0: mm-hmm. we still
2: hang out together we go and eat together mm-hmm. we jog together because all we want to do we want to help them to be better at what god has called them. Mm-hmm. so his word his word is important but not only his word, the way he did it, the way Jesus did it, the way he did it. You know, Jesus had what I call tough love. He looked at Peter, his best friend. He said, get behind me, enemy, you Satan. Mm-hmm. That is tough love.
0: Yeah.
2: But he loved it. But this is the same guy. He told him, you know, Peter, the enemy has really asked permission that he will shift you like a wind. He said, well, I pray for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your own brother. Mm -hmm. Do the same. And he told Peter, Peter, before the cock crows, you are going to deny me three times. Mm -hmm.
0: This
2: is my own theology. I know Peter looks at Jesus and said, "You don't know how I love you. Mm -hmm. I will not deny you. Everybody will run away, but I, Peter, I'll be here." Jesus said, "Peter, before the cock crows tomorrow, you deny me three times." Mm Peter said, I know you are the Messiah, but this one, you have missed it.
0: <laughs> I don't think you really got this one. You missed it because you don't know Peter.
2: <laughs> and when the time came, I believe this is just, you know, as I look at scripture, at times, you know, God is a God of humor. Yeah. And the first time Peter denied, when they said, Peter, you are one of them, he denied. I know Jesus looked at him. And then Peter said, "He smiled," but Jesus, He told me three times. I've only done it once.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, and, and, and then it happened the second time, and He said, "You said th- three times." Well, it's only I've only done it twice. But when the third time came, Jesus looked at Peter, and Peter wept. Mm-hmm. You know, what Peter was saying, "You are really Lord and God. You know the end before the beginning, and the beginning before the end." He went out. But this is the same Peter on the day of Pentecost. He stood up and he spoke, and three thousand souls were added to the church. Mm-hmm. That is Jesus' style. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus' style of discipleship to build a kingdom. Mm-hmm. If we were in the position where our assistant pastor denies us in the public, mm-hmm. bet he will not preach in that church for a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But Jesus' tie is that he gave another chance to Peter. Amen. If we are building a culture of raising disciples, there should be a room that they will fall, they will make mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the times that I was arrested, they arrested me, three of my pastors, three of my leaders. We were in a small office. The military guys came with their trucks, pushed the door, went in, arrested three of us because they did not know me. They were looking for me, but they do not know me. So they <clears> threw <throat> us in the truck. And they took us to the headquarters. There was a 40-foot container there. And my guys were crying. They were crying, like babies. So I said to myself, These guys continue to cry, they will weaken my faith. <laughs> so I told the guys, Who are you looking for? I said, You're looking for Pastor Johnson. They said, Yes, we are looking for Who is Pastor Johnson. And I put up my hand. And I said, those guys, I even don't know them. They only came to visit me. <laughs> <laughs> and so they released them. They said, come on, leave this place. And they ran for their life. <laughs> <laughs> they did not even look back. <laughs> 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 and that reminded me of what Peter, Jesus, yeah. went through. treated <laughs> yeah. Those guys took me, and they put me in a 40 feet sea container. In the 40 feet containers. Those sea containers. No ventilation. Oh, wow. mm. They locked the door. And they said, We're going to kill you tonight. Mm. When I entered into the container, I just took off my shirt and I started singing and worshiping God. Mm. I was singing. I was worshiping God. They did not like what I was doing. They would come and kick against the Stop singing. Stop singing. Mm. I said, I'm not going to stop singing. I'm going to sing until I meet my God. Mm. I said, but if you want me to stop coming to the container with me so that we'll (laughs) sing together, (laughs) they will not come into the container. (laughs) So I did that in seven P.M. from morning to 7 p.m. They came and they opened the container by 7 p.m. local time and they took me out. I thought they were going to shoot me. My clothes was in my hand. I was still singing. Going wherever they were going to take me. And they said, the corner wants to see. So they took me up to the corner. The corner looked at me. And the corner said to me, What makes you so bold? What makes you so bold? I looked at him, I realized he was a Muslim because the mark, he had the mark, the prayer mark on his forehead. I did not want to offend his faith. And I asked him, do you really want to know what makes me so bold? He said, yes, I want to know. I said, sir, the Bible says he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Mm. Mm. He looked at me, he shook his head. He said, do you know that if you were in the natural army, if you were in the army by now, you would have gone through the ranks because you are so bold. And I looked at him and I said, I'm in the army, sir. His eyes came out like that. He said, which army? I said, I am in the Lord's army, sir.
0: But the summary is
2: that because of what happened, he asked me to go and come back the other day. I came back the other day. He told me all the people. This was just people drumming up things to get me (coughs) into trouble. But that created a relationship between me and him. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: that process started in the discipleship process. Mm -hmm. That colonel, later on got saved, was baptized. Mm -hmm. He became the chief of staff of our army. (laughs) so So it was through him that I signed the memorandum of understanding to do training in the military Mm -hmm. he also became a disciple Mm -hmm. he died about two years ago Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what I'm trying to say is that when you build a culture in people they live with that culture Mm -hmm. when we build discipleship culture I have this confidence if I die anywhere I have the confidence that I will be my master I don't want to die but if it happens, great. Mm. Amen. But the way we, we do when we do discipleship, we should do the, what Jesus did. What was it that he loved? They brought the woman in adultery.
0: Mm-hmm. He just said,
2: "If any one of you have never seen, take a stone and stone this woman. And he kept on writing. Some people have tried to explain what Jesus was <laughs> writing. It's not my business to explain. I don't know what he was writing.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but when he lifted his head, he asked the woman. Are you accused us not here? said, no. Jesus said, I will not accuse you, but go and see no more. Mm-hmm. Go and see no more. He built a culture of love.
0: Mm-hmm. He
2: lived it. He acted on it. In my house, I don't even know how many people feed from my house. No joke. My house is full every day. I have people here that have visited me. It's full. I come to the house. We have this discipleship thing we built. If if people are hungry, they come. Even if it's my only food, give them to eat. If I come back, there's no food, I'll go and buy bread and eat and I sleep. And because of that, we have people. 70% of the movement are former Muslims.
0: 70%
2: are former Muslims. Mm. Because we built a culture where everybody, whether you have or you don't have, will share. Out of this, we've built, we have more than 80 schools. We've built in communities. Some communities never had no school, it was just all Arabic schools. We have people in the movement who have read the Quran back and forth. We open schools for them. Mm-hmm. Today, you have 300, 400 children in those schools. Some of those <laughs> villages, nobody was writing. Nobody ever wrote anything. They could not read English. Today, they have people who are graduates. When we build a culture, we build the Jesus style.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: He fed the poor. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Let's build a culture who are raising disciples of taking care of those who are poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He healed the sick. Let's build a culture, a discipleship culture that believes in healing the sick yeah. He was so humble. He built a culture. He was so humble. That he took no to wash the feet of his disciples. Let's build the same culture.
0: Yeah.
2: Let's build the same culture. The Shema statement is all about culture, and most of the practice of Jesus was all about culture. That was the culture he built. That was why, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, more people were added to the church. The Bible says that, and they had everyone that had brought what they had, and they laid it at the disciples' feet, and they distributed it freely. And those that did not have, and those that have, there was no difference. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It was a culture. And that became the culture of the early church. Until another culture came in. When we build a culture around the style of Jesus, what he did, I'm telling you, people cannot resist it. People cannot resist it. Very recently, we had this radical Muslim who was always against the church, doing things against the church. He was condemning us, criticizing us. He, he, he traveled. So his wife was driving with his family, and they had an accident, a very bad accident. We happened to be there. We were going for a prayer mobilization. And we stopped everything. Took them back to the hospital, paid the bills. They needed, the son needed the blood. We gave people to give him the blood. We knew this guy is a guy that had the holes <coughs> in the church. He was out of town. We did everything. We paid all the bills. When he came back and they told him, <laughs> he went to my office all he could do he just bust out cried. Mm. he said you have shown to us that you are more righteous than me mm. today rather than opposing the church he has become the advocate for the church he's not yet saved but he advocates for the church mm. that is the way Jesus built a culture that had a ripple effect if we do that I'm telling you we will touch the people that are not saved, they will see that in like a magnet, it will draw them to Jesus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: <clears throat> not to us, but to him. Because they see Jesus in us. My encouragement is that let's do it Jesus' way. Let's do it Jesus' way. And we, we will do that. We will to Amen. Yes. Amen. <clears throat> So, John um,
1: is gonna. Policies we've overrun, but <clears throat> I feel bad stopping it because it's so amazing. But um, we need to of these to go to the main session. But John, if you pray, bless us
2: as we finish our time. Heavenly Father, you are so faithful. God, we are not faithful at all. Our righteousness is like a filthy rag before you. God in heaven, you love us so much that you gave us your only begotten son. You love us so much that you allowed him to go to the cross for our sake. Just so that God will be set free. Lord, by ourselves we are destructive. But we need you. Take over our lives. We have been in control of our own lives, but today we are asking you. You be in control. Father, we are praying. We can't do anything without you. But you want us to bear fruit, fruits that will remain. Father, we pray. We can't bear that fruit without you. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Renew us, Father. Rekindle us, recharge us with your presence. Father, we pray, God, that your glory will not depart from us. As King David prayed, take not the Holy Spirit from us,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: but renew in us a new spirit, a new heart. Father, we pray today. Help us to create a, a culture that is a jesus style culture. Mm-hmm. A culture of love, a culture of kindness and meekness, a culture, God, of forgiveness, a culture, Father God, Lord, of just loving to the point of death. A culture, God, of selflessness. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: God, a coach of loving those that are lost, loving them, and God embracing them for your sake. Mm -hmm. Father, as we leave this place, if anyone had doubt in his mind, (coughs) in his mind, we pray that you take that doubt away. Mm -hmm. Anyone with fear we break it in the name of Jesus. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: God, anyone, Father God, that is confused, we pray for your direction. Mm -hmm. And Father, we pray, if anyone is sick among us, we pray for your healing in their bodies, in the name of Jesus. Every organ, every part of their body that is affected by any disease, any virus, any sickness, we say, God in the name of Jesus. God, let that body be healed in the name of Jesus. Any one God that is out under the influence of the evil one, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Father, we honor you. We glorify you. We promise you, Father, in all that we do, we will never touch your glory. We will never touch your glory. Let all glory go to you, Father. All honor and all praise. Bless us. Use us as an instrument of change. Thank you, Lord, Father. When next I see my brothers and my sisters, they will never be the same. I will see them at the top, but not only at the top, over and above the top. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to download the free primer of Revival Starts Here by Dave Clayton. Go to discipleship.org ebooks and look for Revival Starts Here, the primer. Thanks. We'll see you next time.